Hi, I'm Alex Mason, business consultant here at CM Industrial, and I specialise in the water treatment sector. For this instalment of CM Conversations, I've collaborated with Dean Amhouse, CEO of the Water Council and prominent thought leader in this market. We discuss their work, his support and passion for developing the industry, companies and new technologies, and what he sees as the future of the water sector. So, Dean, if you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background. Very good. Thanks very much, Alex, for inviting me to join you this morning. I'm one of those individuals who have literally fallen into water, not to use a pun. It was not a career choice for myself, and it was something that literally came to a new opportunity probably about 12 or 13 years ago. But my previous background was involved in government relations. I ran a couple agencies with the state of Wisconsin. I worked in Washington, D.C. for uh, almost a decade in government relations, so worked with Congress on lots of different issues. But, you know, where I started my career or my longing was actually in theater. And so I wanted to run a a theater company and uh, ended up never doing that. I did work in the arts and world. I worked a little bit off-Broadway for a short period of time, but this opportunity in water just literally Mm -hmm. came to me, and it's been a terrific ride for the last 12 years or so. Good. So you've been the CEO of the Water Council, I believe. It's about 10 years now. Yeah. Yep, indeed. So what brought you into the Water Council? So it was something I worked for another organization called Spirit of Milwaukee at that time. And what this was, was a group that was really aimed at marketing Milwaukee in the state of Wisconsin, which is, if your listeners are not aware, probably about an hour and a half north of Chicago, right in the central part of the United States. And during that tenure, when I was with that organization, the Milwaukee region was going through a regional economic development effort to try to pull the counties, so the seven counties together to work in a more cohesive fashion to attract businesses. One of the things that we did at that time was to go through an assessment. What were the key industries in the region? And it was not many surprises that exist. We're very good at advanced manufacturing, financial services. But the one that was the big surprise was the fact that Milwaukee had this propensity around water and specifically water technology. And it came down to simply that a lot of businesses were literally running under the radar screen because simply there was no NAICS code for water technology. And so for a big consulting firm to come in, Oftentimes you look at, you know, what's the NAICS codes? And if there's no code, then there is no industry. And we were fortunate enough to find a group that took a little bit of a deeper dive and recognized that we had companies like Kohler and A.O. Smith and Badger Meter, others that all were really central around water. And and it's been a long history that these companies have existed. So some of them have been around for almost 150 years. We initially thought there were 50 There are now over 240 companies within our region, ones that we discovered along the way, uh, others that have been started, and more that have come to Milwaukee region to set up their operations. Yeah, so it's it's a huge amount of water activity within a relatively small area in a small city comparatively to to Chicago, to New York, to the world. 
Yeah, and it goes back to, and it's interesting enough, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, why Milwaukee? Why would they have all these water tech companies? And I trace it back to largely, it goes back to the breweries for Milwaukee. So Milwaukee was very, very well known for the breweries that existed here. And what they needed were suppliers to be able to process and clean water. And so you can trace a lot of the roots of our businesses to the brewing industry, the manufacturing, tanning. The breweries have, for the most part, largely gone. The only ones left is Molson Coors, the big one. But those suppliers kept on evolving and growing and adopting to new opportunities. And and certainly a big, I think, change for Milwaukee and certainly for the United States was when the Clean Water Act came into play in the United States. And, And all of those big water users that were misusing water had to change. They needed new technologies. Their new companies and technologies had to come in to clean up the rivers and the lakes. And and again, that was a big trigger for, I think, a further advancement of our industry cluster within Milwaukee. Fantastic. So onto the Water Council then. Could you just give us a bit of an introduction into that group and that organization and a little bit about what it is you're you're trying to do with, with the Water Council and what you're trying to achieve? Sure. So at that same time when, as I described, we found that we had this industry here in Milwaukee, and I should emphasize too, it's it's not just businesses, but we've got great utilities here, utilities that are really very well known on a global scale. We have university and academic programs that have a focus around water, both on the sciences and the engineering, as well as law and business. And we saw all these different components within the region. And we had two CEOs of companies. One was Rich Mewson, who at that time was the CEO of Badger Meter, and Paul Jones, who at that time was with A.O. Smith Corporation. And they became sort of the igniters. Uh, and I was involved with, you know, as helping to found this. But the collective force was to say, Could we bring our industry with academia, with utilities, and start to collaborate and start to work together? And so what we did was literally form an organization driven by the private sector to coalesce all of these water tech assets. And it was really from the foundation of could we help the businesses that were here in Milwaukee to be able to grow in advance? Could we attract other new companies from not only the United States, but globally to come to work in the Milwaukee region, but also then to start up companies as well, new ones that would come from within the region. The other second area was innovation, finding new technologies for those big companies in the solutions. And a lot of times, as you know very well, those new solutions are coming from entrepreneurs and the startups. So there's a a great synergy of being able to help startup companies, but then connecting them with big companies. And the third element was around talent. Obviously, all these companies are looking for talent and, you know, because of the aging workforce, but they're also looking for new innovations coming from that talent, whether it being from universities or entrepreneurs. So Could this be a pipeline for businesses to connect with universities? And all three of them really working together in a uniform program was the genesis of the Water Council. Absolutely. So it has has multiple 
elements there, whether it be on the technology side of things, it's actually increasing the profile and the importance of Milwaukee in the North American water sector. And of course, as you said, you know, talent, aging talent pool as well, you know, it's important to get the right people in the right region. I mean, I understand that, you know, if you've got more exciting companies, more exciting technologies, it's always going to make it more exciting for the talent, as of course we have to do on a, on a daily basis. Obviously, looking at the, the companies that back you and the companies that are actually being part of this, you know, the Badger Meters, the A.O. Smiths, you know, it's very exciting to see that companies like this are being a part of this and, and growing the talent pool and growing the technology that's in the region. I mean, innovation is something that we were looking to discuss today. It's something that is very close to your heart and close to the Water, uh, water Council's heart as well. And you, of course, have the, the Yearly Tech Challenge, which I know is something that you're very passionate about. And has, and has produced some very exciting developments. Just talk me through a little bit about that. Then. Just talk me through a bit about the, the tech challenge, you know, what you've, you've seen with that and sort of what you are trying to provide with that. Sure. And it just so happens is that, you know, we've got a, a current challenge that is out and open right now in terms of a call for applications. So it's very timely for this uh, session to occur. So this program, the Tech Challenge, started up uh, actually about two years ago now. And it was really the, the motive was coming from the, the vice presidents for engineering, for innovation, for three primary companies. Again, A.O. Smith, uh, Badger Meter, and Zern, which is owned by Rexnord. And they were asking the question was, we know a lot of things that are going on uh, within the innovation world. We've got people out there looking for things all the time, but, uh, and, and this is on a global scale. But one of those things is that, that nagging question is, are we missing something that could be a real key addition to our innovation process? And how do we get ourselves out ahead and frankly also to be very competitive and to get ahead before you know, the competitor finds something? So we started this challenge program. We run, we're going into our fourth round right now and each round we typically have one to two challenges on a particular topic. And you know, the, the notion of these challenges have been around for a long period of time, but for the most part, they you, you might think about them in a, a very large grand scale is to say, you know, solve PFAS, solve blue algae. Those are big, 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 huge issues. What our challenges are doing is very, very, very narrow and focused. So it might be looking at a particular sensor or a particular artificial intelligence component or a battery that would be fed into the, again, innovation process of a particular company. So we're trying to find that needle in the haystack. And so what we've done over the last, uh, we've completed three rounds so far. And from those three rounds, we've had six different topics and 38 companies have been selected from those as either winners or finalists through this. But I think what's most important for this is that there have been 27 of the 38 companies that have had ongoing conversations with the companies. 
and and those and the three sponsors. And I often talk about this. I mean, we do have a cash prize. It's not a huge amount of money for each, you know, award winner. But I think about this as sort of like a, uh, you know, America's Got Talent or, you know, one of these programs where, you know, everybody wants to win. But when you're out there performing, what you really want is the recording contract. Because that's where the real money is. And sometimes it's the second or third person who really makes it big, big, big. And so for us, yes, you know, you can win the competition, but what you really want is that ongoing conversations with that tech sponsor, because that's where you're going to be either able to license your product, sell it. That's really where, you know, everybody is going towards. So those ongoing active conversations are the most critical components of this. And turning back to that question from when they posed to us originally is to say, are there things out there that you can find that we're not aware of? And what we've been really pleased is that of the companies that we brought to them, over 42% of them have been new to the sponsors. So that really speaks volumes for us, is that we can go out through our partners across the country through our connections and relationships. And we can find those new innovators, whether they be with an, a business, an entrepreneur, a university, or you know somebody literally working out of their garage. If they've got a new solution that these companies are interested, we wanna be able to get them connected to those companies. Absolutely, I mean, do you find then, with the fact that it's a small, narrow focus for the companies, the contestants, whatever you want to call them. Are you finding that you're actually getting more relevant and more detailed innovation from them than if you were to leave it open and just say, come up with something new for water, because that could mean a wide variety of things. Exactly. And so some ways, you know, when you do that open call, you may get three or 400 applications, but you know, out of those three or 400, how many of them are really good quality? So what we're finding is, you know, if you can narrow, focus, 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 and to, you know, as an example, we're not interested necessarily, or these companies are not interested in a solution that's going to deal with a desalination problem because the sponsors don't work in those particular areas of interest. So, Anybody that's got a desalination solution, we put them off to the side for somebody else to address. So being able to provide that focus, I think, has been really, really helpful. So, you know, we typically have about 30 to 40 applicants that come in for a challenge. So it's not going to be hundreds, but it's going to be a focused, targeted group that really appeals to those sponsors. Absolutely. I mean, there's obviously you've got to to scale everything back and ensure that it, these companies can have you know, plenty of time and to, to understand that and you've got plenty of time to understand them. If it's too many, of course, you know, you, it's going to be too rushed. And as well, are you finding that, as you say, if you want them to be part of the sponsors, the sponsors are obviously interested in having them be part of their business maybe, or even sort of advise them. Of course, they have to be companies that are looking to go into the same space as a badge meter or as a AO Smith. Yeah, you know, but it's also interesting is that like a, a badger meter, you know, obviously they make water meters, but, you know, they're also interested in, 
you know, because of the technology is things like artificial intelligence. They're looking for, you know, battery solutions from a longevity standpoint. So is to be able to extend it beyond just looking at a meter per se. The other thing that I think has been really valuable and frankly was a big surprise for all of us by doing these challenges is that the three sponsors actually do this together. So when they are coming up with the topics, it's discussing, you know, as a whole group. So what we're finding is, you know, a a company like an AO Smith who's interested in water heaters and water filters may be exposed to some other ideas by a Badger meter or a Zern. So it opens up their world to other possibilities. And that even extends itself when we start looking at the actual applicants that are coming in, because one company may look at an applicant in a, a certain direction, and a whole new view comes in when one of those other sponsors raises and says, what about this as a possibility? And so what we've seen is one of those tangential benefits is greater communication between the R&D teams of other sponsors. And we're certainly open to welcoming more sponsors to join the three that we have, and we, we definitely would like to have more, but we're also being sensitive that we don't want to have too many. You know, this is something where you know, the group has said, we're not going to have 15 or 20 sponsors because that will then diminish that collaboration amongst the sponsor companies as well, which they find of huge value to them. And, you know, everyone wants to hear about successes after doing it for a couple of years now. You know, there's a couple of companies we've discussed in the past that have either been involved or have been a part, you've been a part of their success, Oxymem and, and Hydroloop. Now, Oxymem, of course, were part of DuPont acquisitions last year. So, yeah, I mean, just talk me through a little bit about that. I mean, their involvement with the Tech Challenge or with the Water Council and how that really shows the value of, of the Water Council and their involvement in, in water treatment development. Sure. So the Oxymem, um, which, you know, we're obviously very proud that, you know, the fact that that was one of those uh, great exits that uh, DuPont found, we started our association with Oxymem through another program of the Water Council called the Brew. And this stands for Business Research Entrepreneurship in Water. Of course, Brew going back to our heritage of the beer industry. But we started this program in 2013, and Oxymem was part of the class that was with us in 2015. So it's a separate from the tech challenge, but what Oxymem did was uh, really as an accelerator program, I mean, that we worked with them. So they came, they spent about six months in Milwaukee. We have since 2013 opened up what's called the Global Water Center, which is a seven-story facility devoted entirely to water technology business acceleration. So we had space for Oxymem to be able to set up an office, temporary office. We did training with them from, you know, business training, marketing training, pitch training. We took them to trade shows. We got them connected to other sponsors. But it was really being able to help them get plugged into our network and engagement. 
And so after that six month period of time, they went back to Ireland and continued to grow and develop. We maintained a relationship with them. And then uh, of course, last year, they had the, the great opportunity of being able to be secured by DuPont. And you know, this I think is a, a demonstration of one of the things that we see of value is people getting plugged into our ecosystem and our network of companies, universities, and utilities. In a somewhat similar fashion was a company called Hydroloop. They did not go through the brew program, but what they did was, it was about two years ago at this time, I and one of my colleagues, Beverly Ferrara, were in Lourdes, Netherlands for a water alliance conference that was going on there. They introduced us to Hydroloop, interesting company in terms of the level of achievement of what they had already achieved in Europe. And, you know, we just started to being able to start talking to each other and get connected. We saw each other about a year ago at the uh, WefTech exhibition that occurs uh, every year. This time it was in Chicago. We had the Hydroloop people come up to Milwaukee to see what we were doing within the Global Water Center, get them connected to some of our companies. And what we did was really start to develop that relationship. And immediately following that visit, they became members of the Water Council. While they're still based in the Netherlands, we started that uh, relationship building. And then last fall, they indicated to us that they had been invited to participate at the big show in Las Vegas, the um, Consumer Electronics Show, the CES show. And what they wanted to do was to build a presence in Milwaukee because they wanted to be able to have a a U.S. presence. And so we were able to provide them a a soft landing space in our building, get them set up with an address and a phone number and connections. And they went off to the CES show in early January and hoping for great things. And I think for them, it was a remarkable week because they literally racked up award after award, and ultimately were selected as the best of the best for the show. And of course, their trajectory as a company is just completely taken off and continually to go and expand across the entire world. And we're talking to them literally again, probably every month or so. And we actually have a conversation with them coming up this week to really discuss about their next plans to you know, move and expand into the United States and to grow the company. But one of the things that was most important for them and why they chose to come in Milwaukee was that ecosystem that I talked about that was really advantageous for Oxymem and what they see as also an opportunity for Hydroloop, something that they were familiar with by working in Lewarden, where there is this camaraderie that builds the relationship uh, that they, I think, saw a huge value in. Fantastic. So it must it must really give you a great sense of pleasure and pride that companies like these that are advancing and are growing and improving due to whether you could call it support or, or mentorship from the Water Council from someone like yourself. And hopefully this is something that you wish obviously be continuing. Is this something, do you see it a next step with, with the Water Council to maybe take it out of Milwaukee or take it global or maybe even just look at bigger companies and mentoring 
new technologies within those? I mean, what do you see as the next step for the Royal Council? I mean, we've been working globally for many years, really since our existence, but we, we took a big step about three years ago when we brought on a Europe, European representative, that is, again, Beverly Ferrara, who now we have somebody in Ireland who can be able to work with companies across Europe much, much easier. For us, obviously, just time zones, distance, cost. And so we've seen a real great advantage of having Beverly in Europe. That has enabled us to get more applicants to apply for our tech challenge, as, a pro, as an example, to form new alliances with entities like British Water. We've got great ones with the Water Alliance, German Water Partnership, Catalan Water Partnership. So to be able to have those global networks has been very, very important for us. But one of the things that where we're moving towards, I think, is a reshaping of our brew program. We know that, as an example, a lot of the companies were interested in coming to Milwaukee to, again, get plugged in, but it was difficult for them to move from London for three and a half months or six months in Milwaukee. They've got family, they've got businesses to run, but they want to be able to get plugged in. And so what we're doing is reshaping the brew program this fall, where it's going to be an intense one-week program. And so we really think it's going to be more of an opportunity for companies across the United States, but also globally, to come into Milwaukee for an intense period of time, get connected to our network, do some training, do pitches to investors as well as companies, and forge that long-term relationship with us. Because oftentimes we talk about ourselves as the match.com when it comes to water. We know lots of different people and try to get them connected with other companies and entities. So that will be something this fall we will be rolling out is what we're calling the Brew 2.0. This first round, obviously with COVID-19, it is gonna be a virtual one. Well, it's gonna actually gonna be do two weeks where we'll do morning sessions hopefully provide the same kind of flavor that we can get in person. But then by next fall, I mean, a year from now, is to bring it into people coming to Milwaukee to get the advantage of the connections that we can make for them. Fantastic. So it's good to see that, you know, good to hear that you, you have got that next step. Obviously, COVID does not help. It makes everything more difficult, especially when you want to bring people from other areas of the globe uh, to the US. But it's good to hear that there is a next step there and there is a next movement forward and continuing to grow like you're helping these companies to do. I mean, one last thing from, from my side, and this is something, you know, as much as 2020 has maybe been a year to forget, but we are at the start of the decade. And, you know, technology and innovation is something that is really close to your heart. And for you, Ray, what do you see as the next big innovation? Have you got something that you've perhaps seen you know, that we may not have heard about yet or something that perhaps that you're particularly excited about and think we'll, be, we'll all be talking about in five, ten years? Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily this is something that is unique to us. And, and, and as you know, I mean, the, the discussions that are going on within the water industry are across the globe, you know. PFAS, everybody's talking about. Artificial intelligence, everybody's talking about. So I wouldn't say there's something unique, but what I would say that I believe is going to be the trend for the future when it comes to water treatment, and this is not to diminish 
big, huge facilities, but I think the trend is going to be moving into uh, micro water treatment systems and really starting to set up a, a grid. You know, if we start thinking from a power standpoint, you know, they talk oftentimes about microgrids. And I believe, I know that there is certainly some of that direction in the United States that I've seen, but can you take, instead of having those, you know, one or two big utilities, water treatment utilities for a city, and can you break that down into microsystems that are literally spread out across an entire city into neighborhoods? I think that allows for work on emergency situations, you know, certainly where, you know, for here in the United States, a hurricane comes into a city and knocks out a water utility, it can become disastrous. Well, if you've got a grid of whole assortment of smaller systems, how can they rely and support upon each other? I think that also creates greater opportunities when you get into less developed areas of the world. It's obviously very, very expensive to be building these huge, huge utilities, but oftentimes is, you know, very, very old infrastructure. And so could we create this network of these systems literally in villages to cities that can support each other in many respects. Much lower cost, I think they can then also be upgraded at a much uh, easier fashion at a lower cost as well. No, it's a very interesting point because obviously with cities, you have a large treatment plan, but if you've got a very sparse or spread out population, it does make sense, of course, to to do it that way rather than perhaps the, the traditional form. So it's something that's looking at when we did an article recently with water reuse and we're talking about sort of direct potable water reuse and things like that, which are being utilized in, even in the US in areas like Texas, which are extremely arid, you know, they're having to do so for no other means. And it's interesting how that, that is like dealing with a problem that is very small to that area. And you expand that out into a broader water treatment sense, not just so really what reuse, you know, it does make sense in that regard. So it'd be interesting to see if that, that is a trend that transpires. Yeah, and I, and I do. I, I agree. I think it is that water recycling, water reuse system, and to be able to do that in a smaller scale and to be able to plug that in because, as you say, there's so many areas there is water stress. And, you know, of course, you know, we know the technologies exist out there to be able to treat it and be able to deliver it. You know, more of the hurdle is just, you know, us human nature is leery of drinking the water that's been, let's say, used in the past. But, you know, a friend of ours, Charles Fishman, who wrote the book Big Thirst, you know, said, listen, we've been drinking water pee or dinosaur pee for thousands and thousands of years. So this is nothing unusual. It's just, I think, the way of the future. And so it's the water reuse and, again, a microsystem approach. Absolutely. It, it goes back to the, you know, the reuse brews and the, the Veolia did and things like that is, you know, it's getting rid of that yuck factor, isn't it? It's getting rid of that factor to think where it's been. Whereas if it comes out of your tap, you never consider it. So it's definitely, that's what we're looking for. But no, I, I really appreciate your time. Is there anything you'd like to add before we, uh, we let you go today? No, I just I want to thank you very much for giving the opportunity. You guys are doing some great work. I know you're you're plugged into companies right here in Milwaukee, and so you know very well, 
you know, what we're doing, but, you know, the work that you and your team are doing around talent and getting people connected is really, really critical. And, uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, you think about places like Silicon Valley, where it is a, uh, a huge system for technology folks, you know, from a talent standpoint and getting people connected and opportunities. And I think what you're doing is helping to provide that for people within the water tech industry. So kudos to you and your team as well. A few key takeaway points from the conversation for me have been their involvement in recent success stories like Oxymem and Hydroloop, Dean's passion for the sector and the innovation within it, and his interesting points on how he sees the water treatment industry developing going forward, especially the increased use of direct potable reuse and decentralised utilities. What are your thoughts? It would be great to hear what you think of this, and perhaps what you think will be the next big step for the water sector. If you are interested in discussing these topics, or any other for that matter, you are fancying a job change or are looking for someone for your team, get in touch with me either through LinkedIn or via email at alex.mason at industrial-cm.com.